0: Everybody, welcome to another edition of Catfish Corner. It's been—it's been a minute, Gentry. The holidays and, and everything have, have kind of interrupted our schedules, but we're, we're back again. Um, I'm Paul Scarvina along with Tennesseean columnist Gentry Estes. Uh, we're going to talk uh, in this episode. Just—I mean, we all know the Predators by now are, are are good so far, at least on paper, better than everyone expected. But, but Gentry and I—I I, I think we need to debate. Why they're good? I mean, there, you know, there's there's several reasons I think that, that that they've been. Look, they're in first place in the Central Division. I don't I don't think that's a place anybody thought they would be at this point in the season, Gentry. Um, and you know, I I think in my mind, after watching, we're we're recording this on a Wednesday, which is the day after the the Predators beat the Colorado Avalanche, a team that many expect to win a division and possibly go to the, you know the Stanley Cup Final. Um, in a game that really. Looked like and felt like a playoff game. But um, what, what, I mean, first, I guess let's start with Gentry. What, you know, what, what were your impressions last night? You, you know, we were talking a little earlier that, you know, you'd mentioned, um, you know, that that kind of that game, even though it's one game, proved validated a lot of things that, that you were thinking.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like, I, I think really the, the question being, you know, we've kind of learned over the course of this the last few months that this this wasn't a fluke. You know, the Predators, all these storylines that would surprise somebody who kind of stopped paying attention at the end of last season have just continued. Uh, And you look even last night, the way that game played out, you had Matt Duchesne on his second goal, his second power play goal, winning it in overtime, you know, to give him five wins in a row to put them in front of the division. But when you look at the Predators there before this season, there were all there. There were the time tested aspects of this team that you knew, you knew Matt Duchesne was overpaid. He wasn't going to produce like an $8 million player. You knew the power play was going to stink. You knew they were going to struggle to score because they always had, um, and, you know, a lot of these things that are happening this year have been a complete reversal of what we've grown to expect from this franchise to see it play out in a game like last night, beating a very good Colorado team who who brought it, quite honestly. I know there were, you know, there's some reasons to think they had some disadvantages, but they brought it and they, they got back in the game late. That is the exact situation, Paul, that I think Predators teams in the past might have folded or given in late and they didn't do it. These Predators didn't flinch. They're able to win the game. I thought it was a huge result for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're talking about, again, we're talking about one game in an 82-game schedule uh, that's been messed up by COVID and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. All that aside, though, you know, I think you're right. I mean, we're talking about a 5-4 game, right? Not an ideal, you know, you don't want to give up five goals in a game or four goals in a game. You know, you, you don't necessarily want to play that style of game. But the Predators proved last, proved last night against the Avalanche that they can win games – all kinds of different games and, and and games against good teams, games when they have the lead and blow it, you know, in the past when they've done that, they, they've just kind of shrunken away and, and, and just lost and moved, you know, moved on to the next one. You know, they, they, they're winning games in different ways, which is, which tells me that they are a legitimately good team. That's going to be dangerous in the playoffs, which by the way, I hope that the avalanche and the predators meet at some point in the playoffs which I, I again in conversation I didn't think that we'd be having at, at this point in the season. I, I you know, I, I like many other people was very very wrong about about this team, and I'm f- I'm more confident in saying that now because we're half we're, we're almost halfway through the season. It's, it's not a fluke, and like you talk about, the last half of last season has kind of continued into this season, and there there are several you know several. I guess threads that have been common since since all that began in in March of 2020, um, and I think you know first and foremost has been UC Saros. I mean, if he's a legitimate Vesna contender, and and uh, you know how, how do you predict that you know coming off of he's replacing a guy who's one of Vesna, who's finished in the top five in Vesna, you know I mean he, he you know one of the best players in franchise history in Pekarine. I mean, how do you expect your replacement to come in and, and not only put up similar numbers through through, through, this, through similar points in their careers, but better numbers? And, you know, I, I just – look, UC has kept them in many, many games. Um, he's been pretty – you know, he's been the one guy – everybody's been on the COVID list, I feel like, except for UC Saros with the Predators. Um, he's been a constant – he's been a huge reason why. Um you know, why they're still in contention and why they could be dangerous in the playoffs. You know, all this other stuff aside, we know the identity stuff. We know that they're a lot tougher. We know that they don't give up. But if they don't have UC Saros, I I don't care about any of that. I I don't think any of that matters. So I I think he's got to be up there with, among the top reasons why, you know, and it seems obvious, Gentry, but to me, it doesn't seem so obvious because you just, I, I don't think you can anticipate that You know, it's almost, and I don't want to, I'm not comparing, you know, like, if you look at the Packers, you know, going from, from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it, these guys aren't at that level, but, like, there's not a big drop-off, if there's any drop-off at all, and when you lose a, one of the franchise's best players ever, you have to expect a drop-off,
1: and the Predators just haven't seen that. I, I would say if UC Saras was six four, six five, he would be considered if not the best goalie in the league, right up there with Vasilevsky and guys like that. Um, he's playing that well. And, uh, you know, I, I think the the disrespect, given the fact that he's 5'11 is going to be pervasive, but he's clearly proving, uh, you know, what he's able to do. And, and the fact that, yeah, I mean, it showed up at the end of last season. I remember going into that playoff series against the Hurricanes, really when you, when you kind of asked around and heard the talking heads, the only reason the Preds were given any chance in that series was, was UC Saros. Uh, that was the only spot they seemed to have an advantage over the Hurricanes, and I think the fact that he's been able to continue what he's doing, I think, is massive for him. Uh, Yossi's also, I think, back on more of his 2019 form as opposed to his 2020 form, and, and I think that, uh, you know, offensively with Duchesne and and Forsberg playing the way they have, you know, you and talk and about Forsberg. And
0: Johansson too, you know. I mean, and 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 by the way, you know, the Predators are you know in the midst of this five-game winning streak. And by the way, they've had, also had a seven-game winning streak this season. They didn't have streaks that long last season that that I can remember. Not not two of them. Um, is Ryan Johansson? Uh, you know, you have to you have to give Ryan Johansson credit too for for bouncing back. And and you know, look, I've said it before. You know, and and there are big reasons why too. You know, obviously, what they played last night without Forsberg. Um, for the second game in a row. He's on the COVID list. Um, he was out with an injury for I don't even know how many games or, you know, earlier this season, and they didn't miss a beat without him. Not saying they don't need him. We spent a whole episode talking about him and, and what we think could happen there. But, you know, I think without – when you're missing, you know, these different guys every night, and, and it's been just about every night, and you still win, that says a lot about – you know, the, the, the identity that we've beaten into the ground and, and all that. But, um, look, I think you're right. Roman Roman is, you know, Roman is Roman, and Roman is a legitimate Norris Trophy contender. Um, which brings me to another, you know, kind of a, a player who embodies this identity that Hines has been preaching about, and Tanner Janot, right? Like, you, it's great when you have the top guys, uh, and they're performing like they should perform, but if you don't have depth, it's hard to win in the NHL. Um, and Tanner Janot, I think, is he's he's a legitimate Calder Trophy candidate. I never thought I would say those words. Um, he he could could be the rookie of the year. Um, and if you look at, I think he's leading all rookies in goals. He he's up there in penalty minutes. He's you know he's a physical player. Everybody knows that. Um, but he, to me, he's kind of like emblematic of what the, 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 the identity or the, I guess, the, you know, just he embodies what this team has become. You can't push this team around anymore. He just, you know, he's a guy that stands out. Him and Borowiecki, of course, and, and Yakov Trenin and guys like that. But, but Tanner Janot really is a, a key cog in that engine. And I, I, that's been my impression so far
1: and a very important reason why they've been able to be where they are. Do you, you remember the uh, some of the outcry when he was on the protected list before the expansion draft? And uh, it, it's funny some of the decisions that have been made along the way. You know, we we go after David Boyle so much for some of what hasn't worked out. You know, paying Duchesne what he did and Johansson with the with with the eight million dollar deal, Kyle Torres. You know, some of these others, but. Some of the, the things he's done are starting to, to pay off in a good way this season. Tanner Janot being a big part of that. I think hiring John Hines uh, has been a big part of that this year. Uh, you know, But but you know, talk about Janot, Paul, I'm looking at a tweet right now from the NHL account 52 minutes ago as we record this. A big picture of Tanner Janot that says, rostered in only 50% of Yahoo Fantasy Leagues, pick Tanner Janot up while you still can. I've not seen a tweet like that about a national predator in the entire time I've been working here in the last 3 years. Like very few predators offensive players, forwards have been worthwhile from a fantasy perspective. So I thought that was uh,
0: it is interesting and it's it, he's starting to get his due and it's and it's and I'm glad it's for more than just being uh, a tough guy because he certainly is that. But you know, it's early in the season, I, I asked Colton Sissons about Tanner Janot, and he said something very, very, very interesting to me. He um you know he said that the whole team feels more confident when he's on the ice. Having him just having him on the bench, having him on the ice, these other guys feel a lot more confident in in someone's gonna have their back and they can hit somebody. they can, you know, it's it's he, what he brings is you almost can't always measure in the analytics and you know I, I never ever would have expected that and you're right when he when when he was when he was on the you know the, the protected list the expansion draft everyone was yelling about Kelly Yarncroke and how could they not protect him and then we, how could you trade Victor Arvidsson you know he's one of the best offensive players in team history and how could you trade Ryan Ellis and and David Poyle you know has kind of uh, had a lot of Made up for a lot of mistakes, or 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 tried to make up for a lot of mistakes in in, in the best way that he could this offseason, uh, last off season. and that goes back to and that brings me to to my, my biggest point. My, what I think is the biggest reason why, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, why the big the biggest reason why the Predators are this good. Yes, you can't succeed without talent, um, but you have to have somebody, you know, who orchestrates that talent. And I think that's important in, in, in hockey and in a lot, a lot more so than in a lot of other sports uh, as far as coaches impacts go. Cause I'm looking at this team and, and I'm looking at John Heinz and here's a guy who was, who was, who was fired from New Jersey and, and like who, you know, they brought him in. Who is this guy? Right. And he, he's not had a fair shake really since he's been here. I mean, COVID hit, you know, two months after he started and all that stuff. And he's managed through all that to get this team and this group of guys to believe in what he's been trying. And he's never strayed from that, Gentry. He's never, you know, whether how, no matter how well they were doing or how bad they were doing, he's never, ever strayed from what he came here to do in terms of establishing that identity. And I, I got to give him, well, I, I think he probably deserves the most credit because, look, he came in. I don't care if you're Ryan Johansson and you make eight million dollars a year, you're Matt Duchesne, or who you are, or your Peck and, and or your Peck Arena, you're the you're the face of the franchise, beloved by everybody. You know what, Peck, it's time to take a seat. Like no you know, it's hard to come in and do that. And he did it. And he and now I think the guys are starting to see that, you know, what he's trying to do. Um, and and starting to believe in what he's trying to do, and I think that's why you're seeing the results that you're seeing, and the and the kind of the attitude on the ice that you're seeing with these guys of not giving up and and not giving in, because um, they have somebody who I think they believe in, and that takes time and trust and and a lot of that. I, I don't know what, I don't know how much you think a coach can have an impact. I normally don't subscribe to that theory, but I I just have a hard time imagining that you know, w- without John Hines,
1: I, I can't see this team being where it is. I agree no I, I think uh, in a lot of ways he was kind of playing the long game with this and it is you know you make a great point that he didn't play favorites in, in any way ever um you know and, and I think I do think the team responded to that and I think you saw it a lot last season when they were struggling so much and the buy-in really wasn't there uh, in terms of effort anything really they were just a mess and then all of a sudden some of the key guys get injured they bring in younger guys like a Tanner Janot and everything got changed at that moment. Uh, he brought in hungry guys that were playing to the identity and the style of what he wanted. And I think, I think to a certain extent, they saw the ball go in the hoop, and they they realized what could really happen. And they kind of built from there. I, I think, you know, it's it's um, you know, for, for 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 you know, we cover a lot of coaches, Paul that I never really feel like you know what they say to us in press conference settings is anything close to what they're saying to their team behind the scenes right. not not John Hines I actually believe that a lot all, most of what John Hines says to us is the exact same thing he says to the team and the reason I say that is because it's been the same thing since he got to Nashville he, you're right which, he hasn't which the, which, one bit
0: which by the way was exactly 2 years ago today that he he uh, took over uh, for Peter Lavalette and it seems like so much longer ago, but I'm going to give you a quick, a quick stat Gentry that, that, and if you look at a guy, you know, like, like I'll, I'll mention Mikel Granlin who's, who's turned into one of the best players on the team who really struggled before, before um, John got here. Um, he's, he's been again, one of the best players and, and John stuck with him throughout all of it. But if I, I want to tell you something about UC sorrows since, since John Heinz, was was hired, and basically since Hines was hired, is when Sarros became the Predators' number one goalie. Um, you know, and, and I've had many conversations with John about you know how do you like the difficulty and the delicacy of you know telling the face of the front, you know this pecorine, like he's the he's the mecca of the franchise, right? Like, you're, I think your time is done, dude. Like, and he did. But since since John has taken over, UC has and re- goalie records don't really mean a ton, but if you look at Saros' record is like 52 25 and 2 since John's taken over. Second best in the NHL in that span among all goalies. I mean, he has a 2.23 2.22 goals against average. Again, second in the in the entire NHL over that two-year span. I'm not just talking about a, a half of a season. You know, I'm they're, they're, that's including the times in there that the Predators weren't very good that they did struggle. Um is has a nine close to a 930 save percentage since John Hines has been hired in, a, in two years exactly, first in the NHL, no better than every goalie in the NHL. Um, you know that's not a fluke, Gentry, that and that's not a coincidence. The goalie coach didn't change, you you know, UC Saros didn't change change necessarily as a player. Like if you look at the common denominator through all of it, through all this improvement, through the Johansson improvement and the Duchesne improvement and you know, if Philip Forsberg's in a contract year, you can argue that players usually perform better when they're in contract years. And, and look, Phillips on a pace for fifty, you know, it will be a fifty goal score. Predators never had a 40 goal score. All this is happening under Hines's watch. I, I don't think that's a coincidence.
1: No. And um I, I think uh, you know, you bring up Forsberg and I think it's 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 almost like you can't have a you, you can't have a discussion about the predators without wondering what's gonna happen there but I, I I think he's gonna try I, to make him pay <laughs> and he should yeah but. I mean I, I'm not sure I ever was sold either way but at this point I don't think you can trade him you don't I mean, know
0: absolutely in the division absolutely no there's absolutely positively thousand percent no way they're gonna trade him um, and, and, and I question whether they're gonna trade him even if they weren't in contention you know, I you know, or if they were right, like, kind of teetering, but clearly they're in contention. Clearly, they're not going to not be in contention in the you know when the, by the time the trade deadline gets here. So, I mean, they have no choice but to deny. And I'm 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 pretty certain they're in negotiations now. I don't I don't know how far along those are, but my guess is that they're going to you know, Poyle's going to have to, whether it's reluctantly or not, going to have to you know throw the throw the brink's truck at him to try to keep them. And you know. Given the success that they're having, that might not be a terrible thing. Um, you know, you hate to have another long-term deal like that, but you know, what choice do you really have? I mean, if they let them go and don't try to sign them, you know, people and, and they're and they're they end up having a you know, continue on the path they're on. Like, how if you're David Poyle, how do you justify that? Um, especially because you're going to have you're going to have their cap room. So I, I think you know, I'm not saying 100% will sign here, but he might be more incentivized to to stay here if they're going to be good. Um, which was that was the biggest reason why I, all along Gentry, I thought maybe he might go, is because maybe he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild. And clearly, this is you know a, a rebuild or whatever you want to call it, but it's accelerated and it's been successful so far, and there's no reason to believe that it won't continue to be that way.
1: It looks good now. <laughs> I, I, still think there, I still think there there is a healthy skepticism among predators fans who are still reluctant to buy into what this team is capable of. But I feel like the, as long as they keep stacking wins and continue to stack wins in a way that represents a big change. Um, you know, it's not like Matt Duchesne's falling off here. Uh, the power play's fourth in the NHL, fourth.
0: Yeah, I, I, uh, I, and that's a team, I mean, a couple years ago was last in the league or second to last in the league, and they've been bad, consistently bad on the power play. I, you're, you're right. I mean, it's just – it's hard to it, – it's hard to believe at first, you know, but it's hard to not believe after it when it's been so consistent. And, and that's why I brought up the example of going back to when Hines started here because, you know, t- two years – um, it's not a small sample size it's not like okay we can keep going back to the second half of last year and they continue their momentum and blah 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 but for for UC to have those kinds of numbers th- and there were some bad times in there since since John's taken over you know they've had some bad stretches of hockey I mean they were the one of the worst teams in the league for the first half of last season and for his numbers to still be that good among all goalies in the NHL even through some of those horrible stretches tells me that, like man he you know (laughs) that's for real that's that's not a you know not just a you know drop in the in the bucket and so look i think we're looking at a team gentry that could be very very dangerous come playoff time wouldn't have seen it coming didn't see it coming. i certainly never would have seen it coming either anyhow they have another game on thursday night and um and with the, the Olympics now not happening, there will be a bunch of games in February, and, and we'll know more. And hopefully Gentry and I will be able to get back together more regularly with, with the holidays out of the way. But um, that'll do it for this edition of Catfish Corner. We hope you'll subscribe to thetennessean.com if you haven't already. And remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcast. Drop us a review or a rating while you're at it. We always appreciate the feedback. For Gentry Estes, I'm Paul Scribina. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.